Welcome to episode 169 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is the first 40 miles. Today on the first 40 miles, ounce for ounce, down is the best insulating material available. But where does it come from? How do synthetics match up? And did Neil Sadaka really write a song about his down puffy? Then we'll review a sleeping bag that not only harnesses the power of down, but also uses a unique closure system. And if you've avoided down because of allergies, we have a simple trick that just may save you a box of Kleenex. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Insulation is a critical element to consider when you're buying backpacking gear, whether it's a down puffy or a sleeping bag or a sleeping pad. Insulation is what protects you from the elements. And when you're backpacking, it's really lightweight insulation that's warm that's what you're looking for. So you don't have the luxury of just bringing more and more stuff to put around you in order to get warm. Oh, right, because wool is something. You could bring a wool blanket. Incredibly warm, but very heavy. And non-compressible. And not only is down incredibly insulating with a great warmth to weight ratio, but it compresses down to absolutely nothing. It's amazing. Have you ever seen an actual down feather and how floofy it is? What do you call it since it's not a feather, really? Yeah, it's a... Actually, I don't know. A down puff? Maybe we'll go with that. We'll go with puff. Yeah, because they're so puffy. But ounce for ounce, down is the warmest insulating material available. Not even science has been able to come up with something as powerful as what nature has already provided. Yeah, I think that's amazing. With all of the effort and research and technology that's gone into fibers, especially insulating fibers, here we are in 2018 and we still don't have an insulating fiber that beats down. Oh, it goes even further than that. Not only do we not have a synthetic that beats down, but down lasts longer than any synthetic. Down retains its loft up to three times longer than most synthetics do. Which means you can keep a down sleeping bag for like 30 years. And that's incredible. The synthetic sleeping bags, even if you store it, uh, you know, fully puffed up and, and you don't store it in a compression sack, even still that synthetic bag, it just seems like it kind of breaks down after a decade or so and you got to go get a new one. Yeah, down is amazing. But are there, I guess, downsides to down? Are there things that don't make it as amazing as a synthetic? Well, yeah, there's the one big downside that down has had for a long time until recently. And that is that when it gets wet, it becomes completely and absolutely worthless. It just shrinks up into this little ball of water-soaked fibers. And it just provides no insulating ability at all when it gets wet. However, water repellent down has come to the rescue. This is where technology has made some progress. They can take the natural fiber of down, which they can't quite copy with synthetics yet, but then they can treat it with something that's, that makes it water repellent. Now you still have 
the insulating power of that down, but also the ability to repel the moisture and be less likely to completely wet out and clump up and become useless. Now, as I'm doing my thrift store shopping and looking for things that our family needs or whatever, often I'll come across jackets that say down jacket. And I'm like, oh, this is great. We can outfit this kid and make sure he or she is warm. But there's something you have to know about shopping for down. In the United States, the Federal Trade Commission has made regulations that require any product labeled 100% down has to contain 100% down. However, here's the tricky thing, products labeled simply down can contain a mixture of fiber and feathers. And oftentimes on the garment or on the sleeping bag, it'll say what that percentage is. Feathers aren't as valuable. They have that prickly spine that often pokes through and makes holes in your clothing or in your sleeping bag. They don't have as powerful insulative properties. They're just kind of basically filler, a way for the company to uh, maybe save some money, maybe make the product more cost effective or uh, you know appealing to the consumer who doesn't want to spend $800 on a sleeping bag. And that's why we get these down comforters, for example, that poke you because they've got this mixture of feathers in with the down. It's not truly all down. It's down in feathers. And I guess if you don't know better, you figure that feathers are down, but they're not. Down is that special fiber that comes from a, what is it, closer to the skin of of the bird than those outer feathers. So about a year ago, I bought a new down comforter for us online. Because I'm a backpacker, I knew all the stuff about down versus feathers, and I knew about fill power. So I ended up buying this comforter with a really high fill power, and I was like, good, we're going to finally replace our comforter that's really not a down comforter, it's a feather comforter. Yeah, we got it at Ikea, it was super cheap. So we got this new down comforter that's all down, no feathers, really high fill power, and now it cooks us at night. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we are uh, on the lookout for another down comforter that won't be quite so warm for our bedroom. So there are different fill powers, and fill power is how down is rated. So the highest fill power is 1,200, and there's a special name for that. It's called Eider Down. And that must be really rare, because I don't think I've seen any products myself uh, with a fill power of 1,200. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen Eider Down at REI. Maybe they have it, but really, 1,200 fill power? That's, That's not typical. Usually what you see is like 550, and that provides pretty good insulation. But the higher the fill power, especially with sleeping bags, that's where you really start to see the increased fill power. It's because you have a lot more insulation and you want to be able to compress it down really far. Uh, You'll see sleeping bags that are, you know, between 650 and 900. And that's what I've seen on most backpacking gear, like sleeping bags. At the low end of, of down sleeping bags... I'm seeing 550, and at the high end, I'm seeing maybe 8 to 850, somewhere in there. Uh, this is kind of interesting to me. It looks like fill power is maybe one of the few measurements that's still in U.S. units. And who knows, maybe outside the U.S., they really do measure fill power in cubic centimeters per gram. But I don't know if I've ever seen that when I've been looking at product specs. I'm always seeing like 
800 fill power. Well, that's actually measured in cubic inches per ounce. And they measure that by putting an ounce of down in a graduated cylinder, and then they put a little weight on top of it, and the volume below the weight tells you what the fill power is. So going into preparing this episode, I really had some concerns because it's kind of like when you eat chicken for dinner, but you don't really want to know where the chicken came from. You don't want to see all the body parts of the chicken that got chopped off. You just want to eat your stinking chicken and not ask any questions. So that's kind of how I felt when I approached this. I was like, okay, I have some questions, but I don't know if I want them really answered. Do I really want to know where down comes from and how we get it? Right. Am I going to start crying while I'm reading about these little baby geese and little ducklings? Fortunately, I think that even though it's kind of a sensitive topic, I think we come out on the other side. Okay. I don't think we're going to have to harm any baby ducklings in the production of this episode, but I think it does answer some important questions. So today we have the top five things you always wanted to know about down insulation, but we're afraid to ask. And the number one question is, where does down come from? Short answer and long answer, please. Short answer, birds. Is that short enough? Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, Specifically ducks and geese. And this is what I learned about the ducks and geese. When baby ducks and geese are born, they're covered only in down. They are 100% down. And so cute and fluffy. They're the sweetest thing. But don't worry, the down in your jacket didn't come from plucking all the feathers off of a baby duck or goose. Ducks and geese actually have down on their bodies throughout their entire life. So when they go through that molting process, they lose their down and it gets replaced. Unfortunately, the shed down that they molt when they go through that process, that's not what's in your jacket either. Although that would be really convenient to just harvest that down as they shed it. But depends on how you define the word convenient. Yeah, you'd have to gather all that down. and One little bit at a time. Chasing feathers is impossible. And chasing down is probably even harder. It's so <laughs> fluffy and light. Oh, yeah. So the down that is the insulating layer inside of our gear, like jackets and sleeping bags, is the down that is from underneath the outer feathers of ducks and geese, primarily in the chest area. And what makes the down so valuable is that it doesn't have the sharp quills that the feathers do. So now that we know which animals make the down and where it's located on them, then the next hard question, how is the down harvested? A duck or goose actually has to give its life for down and probably for the food industry. So the down, in other words, is a byproduct of the process of they were already going to kill the goose or the duck to make food. And since they did that, now they can harvest down. Right. And while we here in America don't really eat duck or goose that often ever, (laughs) um, it's very popular in China. And I assume that's where most of the duck or goose meat is going to. So the next step is that the feathers and down are hand plucked from the dead bird. That sounds fun. It's not not my dream job. And I guess a question that goes along with how is down harvested is, is down ever plucked from a live bird? That brings up a really hot topic because in the United States, the answer is no. And in a lot of countries, the answer is no. 
but in some countries they still pluck down from live birds, which many people believe is an inhumane practice. And it doesn't sound like fun for the bird to have all of that warm down ripped from its skin. So it's, I guess, it is a very sensitive topic. Some people have very strong opinions about this, and there are some standards in place to help people know where their down is coming from so they can know that their down isn't being plucked from live birds. So the number three thing that you always wanted to know about down insulation but were afraid to ask is, what kinds of ethical standards are in place for the harvesting of down? This is where it gets a little tricky because live plucking, like we said, is illegal in the United States and in Europe, but that doesn't mean that live plucked feathers aren't used in America. It just means they weren't plucked here in America. So there are a couple standards put in place so that companies could, I guess, declare what kinds of feathers they were using and so consumers could feel, uh, I guess, better about their decision to buy down with a certain company. The North Face created the Responsible Down Standard, which means that these companies have agreed to use 100% traceable down. And if you're interested in learning more, we have the link to the Responsible Down Standard that'll give you a little more information in today's show notes, which are at thefirst40miles.com slash 169. But is there any argument for the practice of live plucking? I mean, to me, it sounds like the decision is between causing pain in the bird versus killing the bird. Like if you went to the hospital and said, I think I have this problem. And they said, well, we could perform surgery, which would be painful, or we could just kill you, which would not be so painful. I guess the difference is when you go to the hospital, they're trying to help you with plucking down, it's it's taking something. So I'm, I'm trying okay. to be super unbiased about this because I want people to be able to make their own decisions. But yes, there is an argument for the practice of live plucking. Let's talk about it. Live plucked geese can be plucked several times throughout their life. And not only does that get you more of a harvest, but it also allows the down clusters on their chest to get larger and have a higher fill power, which higher fill power means a higher insulation to weight ratio. So the goose lives longer, ends up producing more down over its lifetime, and ends up producing higher quality down over its lifetime, but it's subjected to pain every time it's plucked. Right, and trauma. So it's an interesting ethical dilemma. You know, there are two sides to the story. I guess we'll let everyone decide which side of that story they'll come down on themselves. The number four thing you always wanted to know about down insulation but were afraid to ask is, which is better, goose down or duck down? Well, this all kind of comes down to supply and demand. Duck down is cheaper because the people in China eat lots of ducks, which means the supply of ducks is plentiful. But goose down is better. So the clusters are bigger, they have more loft. Um, duck down, the premium version of duck down is eider down. And the premium version of goose down is Polish or Hungarian goose down. So it has the large clusters and they're pure white. Um, and if you're interested in continuing this battle between duck down and goose down, we also have a link in the show notes for an article that I found on backpacker.com that will give you the lowdown on goose down versus duck down. That was a lot of down. <laughs> that was. 
But I guess the bottom line would be if you're confused about duck down versus goose down, just drill down <laughs> Stop. to fill power. That's the objective measurement. Whether it came from a duck or it came from a goose, you can look at fill power and say 550, 850. It's a linear kind of thing, a fill power of 450 compared to a fill power of 900. It's going to take twice as much down, twice the weight at a 450 fill power as it will at the 900 fill power to keep you the same amount of warm. So the number five thing that you always wanted to know about down insulation but were afraid to ask is, okay, what's the difference between this $30 down jacket and the $200 down jacket? And that's just what you were talking about. Fill power plus the feather to down ratio. So the jacket with 450 fill power down, even if it's 100% down, it's going to cost way less than the jacket at 900 fill power. And for the same warmth, it's going to weigh twice as much. Yeah, like a cheap down jacket will be heavy for its size and a nice down jacket will look puffy, but will be much lighter than you expect. It'll also compress down to the size of a grapefruit. It's just amazing how much down compresses. The cheap jacket will poke you with little sharp things because it has feathers in the mix. And the expensive jacket is completely 100% down, not going to poke you with those feathers. Well, it's not just the poking. Feathers just aren't as good at insulating as down is. Well, if you have any other questions or things that you've always wanted to know about down insulation but were afraid to ask, we'd love to hear your questions. I don't know if we necessarily have an answer, but we at least have a forum through Facebook or through Twitter where we can get the discussion going and see if we can learn from each other a little bit more about down. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the no-zip down sleeping bag. I can't decide which I want to talk about first, the magnetic closure or the 850 fill power of duck down in this sleeping bag, because they're both cool. And now I still can't decide. I will go for the down. Okay, so this has an 850 plus fill power, somewhere in between 850 and 900 fill power of duck down. As far as structure goes, the outer shell of the sleeping bag is 20 denier, one ounce ripstop nylon, which is water resistant. And then the inner shell of the sleeping bag is 20 denier, one ounce ripstop nylon that is ultra soft. And you can feel that when you touch the sleeping bag. It's not like a brushed flannel or anything, but it's not the crinkly outer waterproof layer that a lot of sleeping bags have where it's, you wouldn't want to sleep against it. You'd want to just have it on the outside. So I like that there are two different materials used. And now to the cool part, <laughs> the really cool part of the sleeping bag. It doesn't have zippers. The closure system is made up of magnets. These little round button-sized magnets are embedded in the sleeping bag at certain spots. So you open and close it by just simply connecting those magnets together or just peeling it open and, and they just peel apart. Yeah, and these aren't the typical whiteboard magnets. These are like rare earth magnets where if you had two of them just on your desk or on the kitchen table about a foot apart, they would come together so fast <laughs> that they could perhaps shatter, which has happened. Like I have magnets that are rare earth magnets, and if you are playing with them and if you let them come together too fast, they'll shatter. That's wow, not going to okay. happen with this sleeping bag because the magnets are all protected by fabric. In fact, it's a durable 
kind of a grow grain ribbon fabric. Grow grain comes up again in this the show. This is the second time on the first 40 miles. I'll have to tag it. And it's not like they took a regular sleeping bag, removed the zipper, and replaced it with magnets down the side. You know, most sleeping bags have a zipper down one side that goes almost to the bottom of the sleeping bag, maybe a foot away from the bottom of the footbox. And I know that Taylor from No Zip really experimented with a lot of designs before he ended up with this one. So my guess would be that he started by experimenting with that design of just taking a regular sleeping bag and replacing the zipper with magnets. But for whatever reason, he ended up going with a little bit different design. This sleeping bag, instead of having a slit down the side, it's more like, how would you explain it? Kind of two slits, only partially down the side. So kind of like bib overalls or something. Kind of like a bib that opens up. And I don't even know if I would say it's like bib overalls. I would say it's more like the fly on a pair of pants where... Yeah, yeah. Except it's kind of a hybrid fly because you can close up this sleeping bag like a normal sleeping bag. But then the other option is to bring one of the sides over about eight inches or more and tighten it. So it makes this really snug kind of swaddle around you. Like a double-breasted jacket or a pea coat, kind of that that double overlapping. Yeah, maybe. It was a really great idea. It gives you more options. It can kind of give you that roomy feel, or you can have more of that swaddled feel. And I'd say probably about the lower two-thirds of the bag has no opening at all. So the magnetized opening stuff is all kind of in that upper third of the bag. And for temperature ratings, I think they're still waiting for the EN rating on this. But the extreme limit is probably around 8 degrees Fahrenheit. The lower limit is 30 degrees Fahrenheit. And the comfort limit is 42 degrees Fahrenheit. These are critical numbers when you're looking at sleeping bag warmth. Don't just look at the fill power. Really look at those temperature ratings because that'll tell you exactly how comfortable you'll be overnight. So in terms of the marketing materials, this is marketed as a 30-degree bag because that's where the EN lower limit is. For mass, the no-zip-down sleeping bag, 30-degree is 2 pounds, 3 ounces, or 1 kilogram. For fill weight, It has 15 ounces of fill. That just means if you were to take all the down out of it, you would have a 15-ounce bag of down. And we're reviewing the regular size, which is 74 inches long. If you want to go for the tall size, it's 80 inches long and it's $20 more. For maintenance, you'll just want to store this in the breathable storage sack that's included. But then when you take it out backpacking, they provide a really great compression sack, and that's perfect. That's what you want to put it in when you head out on the trail. And that's cool. A lot of sleeping bags don't come with a compression sack included. So you're paying an extra 10 or 20 bucks for that and hoping that it's the right size for the bag that you bought. Exactly. Well, for investment, it's $279 for the 30-degree bag, $299 for the 15-degree bag, and $349 for the zero-degree bag. And those are all the prices for the regular size. And for trial... There is a trick to getting the magnets to line up. The sleeping bag does have a little bit of a learning curve, but the good news is you won't be wrestling with a zipper, which is one of the main frustrations of using a sleeping bag is getting the sleeping bag caught in the zipper. So it's nice that if you just want to open up the no zip, you just pull and it pop, 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 pop. It just, you know, opens up for you. 
My trick for getting the magnets to line up is to hold the top row of magnets taut. So if you're laying in your sleeping bag, you can kind of use your feet to hold the bottom part of the sleeping bag kind of straight or kind of taut. And then you just take your hands and you hold the top row of magnets and lay them on top of the bottom row of magnets. It's really not that tricky and there's no right or wrong way. I think it's just kind of a, you figure out what works for you and as long as the magnets are all attached and you feel cocooned in your sleeping bag, that's what matters. And in some ways, having the magnets kind of naturally stick together without having to do much work is kind of cool. So you don't have to close the sleeping bag like I just explained. You could just throw the top of the sleeping bag over you and they'll just go pop, 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 and they'll kind of just attach to themselves. So you don't have to get magnet A1 lined up with magnet A2 or B1 with B2. You can just kind of toss the bag over you and let everything kind of pop together. Yeah, and if it's not fitting quite how you want, you would just tug a little bit on the sleeping bag and you'll pull a magnet over from one magnet to another and just pop and it fits a little different now. Exactly. And lastly, I would just uh, caution against uh, having the sleeping bag close to compasses, credit cards, things like that. It seems obvious, but the thing is, when you pack your pack, you might put your sleeping bag in the bottom compartment, and then you might put your compass maybe on the outside of your pack and not really make the connection that, oh, wait, I just put my compass right next to my sleeping bag. So be careful. My compass goes all the way at the top of my pack and my sleeping bag is at the bottom. So no issues there. And even though this sleeping bag comes with a compression sack, make sure you don't store it in the compression sack long term. When you get home, let the sleeping bag breathe and repuff and store it in that cotton bag that's meant for long term storage. Remember how I said by law, if something says 100% down on it, it has to have 100% down, no feathers? Well, this sleeping bag has 100% duck down in it. And it has all the features that you would expect in a high quality sleeping bag. So it has the baffles that aren't sewn through. You know what I'm saying? I can't remember the word for it now, but it's where the baffles have a piece of fabric sewn in between them so that the stitching doesn't end up causing cold air to come through the stitching holes. There's a word for that. Offset baffles, maybe? Does that sound right? Well, there can be offset baffles. I think that's a little different. Okay. But anyway, yeah, this is not stitched just uh, outside to inside fabric stitched through where you can see through the sleeping bag, through the <laughs> stitching holes. Right. It's got that piece of fabric in between, so it creates these baffles that are not just stitched all the way through. It has the draft collar around the neck, as a, a good quality sleeping bag would have. The water-resistant shell is great. Um, just one note there. It's not dry down, so it's not a water-resistant down. It's just the shell of this bag that's water-resistant. And I'm noticing one other thing as I'm looking at the tag here. We said that the fill weight was 15 ounces, but on the tag it says that the fill is 20 ounces. I don't know who to believe. And I guess the only way you would know is by cutting the bag open, which we're not going to do. Yeah, we'd have to take out all the fill and weigh it. The website says 15 ounces, but like you said, the tag says 20 ounces. So somewhere there's a mystery five ounces. That just takes you back to EN ratings. That's why they're important. Right. Well, if you want to know more about the No Zip Down Sleeping Bag and other products offered by No Zip, you can find more at thefirst40miles.com. 
169. And if you'd like to learn more about NoZip as a company and the creative process that Taylor from NoZip went through as he developed this bag, check out our interview with Taylor from NoZip in episode 112. For today's backpack hack of the week, beating down dust mites. Some people may be avoiding down because of down allergies, but according to the source of all knowledge on the internet, Wikipedia, it says that a Finnish study has shown that true feather allergies are rare and most issues that people have with down are caused by dust mites. If you think you're allergic to your down sleeping bag or your down pillow, you may in fact be allergic to the dust mites that are living in your down sleeping bag or down pillow, not the down itself. Oh, it's worse than that. It's the feces from the dust mite that is the allergen. Oh. So that's what irritates you and causes those allergies and the stuffy nose and the watery eyes. And bedding, including down bedding and down sleeping bags, is a haven for dust mites. So if you find yourself with a stuffy nose and watery, itchy eyes, here's the fix. Toss your sleeping bag or your jacket in a dryer for about 15 minutes, making sure that the dryer reaches 130 degrees Fahrenheit. In fact, some dryers even have a sanitized setting. Dust mites thrive in a warm, humid environment. So anything you can do to uh, either get rid of the humidity or to up the warmth to something really hot or to get some UV rays on there, it's going to kill the dust mites. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Finnis Mitchell. He said, we don't stop hiking because we grow old. We grow old because we stop hiking. I love that quote. And I think he knew what he was talking about because he lived to be one day short of 94 years old. What a man. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Never mind. I'm going to have to call you Josh Grograin. You've oh. raised me up. Oh, that was so horrible. Dust mites thrive in a warm human environment. Human? No. <laughs> <laughs> human. <That too. laughs>